Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, folks. I am John Najarian, and this is Compound Interests. This week on Compound Interests, I was lucky enough to talk with one of the co-founders of a vegan and fully sustainable shoe company in the luxury space. Her name, Tina Bajwani. And I think you're going to love the way that the passion she has, not just for high fashion, passion and high fashion, I like the way that worked, but she also is just very passionate about sustainability, paying living wages to the people that make these high quality shoes that aren't made from snakeskin or lizard or goat or pig or cow. This is all vegan folks. So I'm wearing one of those pair of shoes right now. In fact, I'm wearing uh, what looks like a snakeskin boot and it's fantastic. And I want you to see this because uh, they're listed on the era, on the uh, era is listed on the Republic platform. That's republic.io. And if you go there, you'll see a bunch of fabulous companies in the venture stages that are raising money. Now, I came across Tina's company, Era New York, that's A-E-R-A, New York.com. I came across that company and said, wow, sustainable? Uh, let me check this out. And truly, they're a sustainable uh, producer of these high quality luxury shoes for men and women. And uh, they're raising money on the Republic platform. So if that's something that you wanna consider, fantastic. There are over 680,000 people on that Republic platform, folks. Again, it's democratization of venture investing and it's early stage. So you get to get in and if you're picking companies that are about to hockey stick, you can catch that big wave. So I love that. That's why I'm an investor in this company, ERA, for sustainable shoes. I think you'll enjoy the conversation with Tina Bajwani of ERA New York. Thank you, John. I'm excited to be here. Um, thanks for investing in our company and wearing our product. Um, it means a lot. Oh, well, it, it didn't take a lot. <laughs> I mean, when I saw you on, and by the way, folks, if you're not familiar, if you're just listening for one of the first times to the podcast, Republic uh, is a democratization of venture capital, if you will. Um, they have companies that are vetted on the Republic platform that are raising money. And I was, as Tina said, one of the many investors who has jumped into ERA. Uh, and I did it because I love the idea that it's sustainable, uh, that the quality is so high for the product that they produce. But we'll get into that. I just wanted you guys to have a little background about um, how Tina and I sort of met and why she's on the platform and things like that. But I figure you wanna hear that from her, not from me. Um, but Tina, these, uh, honestly, the, the boots that I have right now, it's, uh, we'll put them up on the show here, folks, but it looks like a snakeskin boot, uh, but it's not. It's vegan, um, it's 100% sustainable, made over in Italy, and Tina, started off over in theory, not maybe started off is the wrong way. I've done that twice now, Tina, but you were the vice president, senior VP over at theory, and then right. came over to become the president 
of Dolce Gabbana. Is that really, I mean, this is in your blood, in other words. Pretty much. And even before theory, right out of college, I worked with Donna Karen. So my first, my first job was at Donna Karen. And, um, you know, I always loved the industry. And once I got involved, I never looked back. And, you know, after um, working for three great companies and having a phenomenal experience, great mentors and bosses and teams, you know, I was just at a point in my life where I said, you know, what can I do to be more impactful? And um, learning about sustainability sort of woke me up to the idea that we need to do better and we need to do better fast. And, you know, I wanted to be a part of that change. So that's how the whole, the whole story evolves, um, you know, quite simply. And, you know, the one thing I can say, I'm glad you appreciate the quality and feel and look of the shoes. Because with, with my experience, you know, people are not gonna compromise. You can have the best sustainable message but if the shoes don't have, you know, the design, the quality, the fit, then it doesn't really mean anything. So our mission was to create a company where the consumer didn't have to compromise. People who see the shoes don't even know they're vegan and sustainable from the outset. And then we do all the work behind the scenes. Yeah. And um, I also love this about the company, Tina. Um, it's not just the shoes that you produce for men and women. Um, and beautiful, um, you know, the, the high fashion is truly high fashion over at Era New York, but the, uh, it's down to the packaging and, and how you present it to people. It came in this beautiful box. Um, it had this wonderful card in the box, as well as that bag, you know, that you could use to, you know, pack the shoes, I guess. Um, tell us a little bit about that, about, you know, it's a lot like Steve Jobs did when he's talking about, hey, I want it to be special when somebody unpacks an iPhone or an iPod or whatever. Is, is that kind of where you came from with this direction that you took with ERA? Very much so. You know, we wanted to take a 360 degree approach to sustainability. So that meant not just the shoes, you know, the materials, the way we make them, the components, but also the packaging also the way we communicate. I mean, everything down to our business cards are recyclable and you know, use, made with post-consumer waste materials. Our bags are organic cotton. So we looked at every single aspect because I think that today, um, you know, a company that's going to claim to be sustainable, and in our case, it's 110% sustainable, which I'll explain in a moment, mm -hmm. you know, you've really got to make sure that, um, that that's, that's all there. You know, I think that's critically important. Now, when, when you and your co-founder, and I'll let you describe, uh, you know, some of the key people, or in particular, your co-founder, but when you guys came up with the concept, tell us why shoes? I mean, was shoes just, you thought, the best area to hit this in? It's, it's a little bit of serendipity, and we came to shoes ultimately because we said there's a void in the market for sustainable luxury shoes. There's a lot going on in sneakers. There's a lot going on sort of in the, the, the lower end of the market and no one was really making vegan and sustainable luxury shoes. Um, but I have two partners and you know, ser serendipitously we came together um, at sort of turning points in all of our lives. And our main investor who's Alberto Srivash, he and I went to college together and um, we reconnected by chance in LA. I live in New York, he lives in Athens. 
and re re reconnected in LA and started talking about sustainability. And literally like three months later, I ran into a footwear designer, a famous luxury footwear designer, Jean-Michel Casabat, by chance at Bergdorf Goodman in New York. And we met for, we had worked together in the past. Um, so we hadn't seen each other, but we, we knew each other um, for many, many years. And he said, can we go have a drink? So a few days later, I'm having a drink with him in Soho and, and I'm telling him how passionate I am about sustainability. And he says, what about vegan shoes? And my response was only if they don't look like they're vegan. You know, because in my mind, I was like, is this possible? And he said, no, no, there's a lot of great um, technology today that you wouldn't even know the difference. So we started playing around. So it happened by chance. And ultimately, we decided there was a business opportunity once we made some shoes and realized that no one was really in the space. Right. Well, and I've, uh, I, I live in Chicago now, Tina. And since I came to Chicago, uh, in 1981, before you were born. Um, I, I, I love the city. I love people from Chicago. And there was a guy who you may or may not know, I bet you do, named Donald Pliner. Sure. And sure. also was making shoes in Italy. And I have probably a dozen of his shoes from years ago. I know the company's gone through some new iterations and so forth, but Back in the day, I thought the quality of those shoes made in Italy was different from almost anything else I could wear. Um, and so I was lucky enough to sort of, I mean, once you try a high uh, fashion shoe on folks and it fits right and, you know, you can just see that the craftsmanship is exceptional, you don't want to go back to something cheap and junky. And then when I saw Era, and I saw that it was sustainable and that they had these uh, manufacturing facility in, in Italy, I said, I got to check this out. And you guys did not disappoint. Tell me a little bit about why Italy and Vento. Well, Italy, um, you know, Italy, Veneto specifically is the birthplace of luxury shoemaking. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, Jean-Michel, our creative director, had worked in Veneto for many, many years, and he had relationships with some factories. Um, so it was a great starting point for us because here we are going to traditional, multi-generational, family-run businesses that had only ever worked with animal materials. And, you know, we almost needed that relationship to convince them that, um, that this was an important mission. You know, they were like, why would you want to use these materials? Because all they ever knew was the opposite. Um, so we worked with them and, you know, what's, what's very nice now is that, you know, they see sustainable footwear as the future because these small factories are dying out in Italy. So they see it as a way to continue their business operations. Um, and it's lovely. Uh, I mean, it's obviously, I, I think anybody who's been there, it's probably one of their top 10 favorite cities. Uh, not, not that the, the shoes are made right there in Venice, but that's the area of Italy that we're talking about, folks, Veneto, um, where these shoes are made, uh, that region, I guess. Um, about how many different artisans does it take to make all these different men's and women's shoes that you guys make, Tina? We work with two different factories and um, they're fairly small, you know, 15, 16 people, um, plus they always add in extra as needed, but, um, small and the shoes are made by hand for the most part over a two-day period. Um, there's an interesting video which I'll share with you of the process, but it's, okay. it's, it's exactly like any, you know, 
other luxuries she would be made. Given that you had, uh, you know, such an all-star group to put this together, um, how did you guys end up settling on Republic as at least one of the areas where you basically get some of the funding, if not, you know, getting you up to that next level where you could go to the other rounds of funding that are going to be necessary to make this a global brand? Sure. Um, Republic was really interesting to us, um, especially as we had just launched. So we launched our company in February and had all these plans, um, sales plans and so on, started meeting with one or two retailers and sort of everything went um, on hold. So we were looking for an opportunity whereby, you know, we could raise some money, um, you know, before getting to a, any significant milestone. And we thought it was a great platform, you know, very democratic. Um, you know, people could put in as little as $100 up to $100,000. So I love the fact that, you know, anything goes. And um, it allowed our consumers to become investors. It, uh, it opened us up to Republic's, you know, tremendous audience. Um, so it, it, it was just a great, um, it was a great platform in our mind. And, and I love that they were very much excited about the, the concept of sustainability. So that was, that was also a factor for us. Sure. And it, I mean, again, folks, uh, I encourage you to check out republic.io. Um, there are uh, literally new companies all the time that are vetted. These aren't just folks that come onto the platform and say, I'd like to raise money. They get vetted by Republic, by Ken and Tunde and the team over there at Republic. I've got a great relationship with them. I think they do a fantastic job. Um, and they don't put their hand real deep in these um, entrepreneurs' pockets to get these things up and running and hopefully get them to the next level. Uh, so it's, uh, like I say, one of the ways that it's democratized this kind of investing where otherwise you wouldn't be able to get in on the ground floor with Tina or any of the companies on their platform. So I'd encourage you to check it out. Um, now, right about now, Tina, you guys are um, looking for a strategic tool. Now, I'm sure you're happy. None of us are happy about COVID, believe me. <laughs> but I'm sure you're happy that you guys hadn't already opened a bunch of boutiques and all of a sudden you're being crushed by the shutdown. Instead, you're an online business right now. But what kind of strategic are you guys looking for? We're looking to raise, um, you know, we're looking for a partner to come in who understands the long-term, you know, vision that we share and who realizes that this is a big opportunity globally over time. And um, 
So apart from our Republic campaign, we're looking for someone to come in who's passionate about you know, sustainability and um, can help us get to the next level. And by that, I mean really you know, build out the team a little bit more. I think you know, when you're a digital company, it's critically important to have great operations and logistics um, and then work on strategic marketing, you know, the digital. So those would be the two big areas um, apart from product, you know, where we've got to continue to innovate and evolve. Um, you know, thanks to COVID, we, as you said, we, we hadn't produced all this merchandise that would have then potentially not really gone anywhere. Um, and I don't even know if we would have been able to do that because our factories were shut down, you know, outside of Venice. And, um, but now we sort of started fresh um, and we re restructured the company and we redesigned the shoes. So what's coming out for the spring, you know, starting in January is, is shoes that are more relevant. You know, they're a bit more casual, still very luxury, but it gave us the opportunity to say, let's, let's take a step back. Let's look at where the world is going and let's make relevant product. Um, so that was, that was actually helpful. In the end. Now, if you don't mind me asking, um, do you pretty much sell Tina? Um, obviously, I'm here in the United States, as you are, but is your target um, Europe, uh, Asia, America, South America? Is it basically global, or are you starting in pieces of the globe and saying we're going to concentrate on North America right now and then move on to these others? Or because it's online, you can pretty much take orders from anywhere. That's a great question. Um, you know, I think that that today um, we we decided to really focus on America because of everything that's going on and continues to go on in the world. Because um, what we don't want to happen is ship shoes somewhere. We've had interest from Hong Kong to Dubai to London. Um, is ship shoes somewhere, but if the message around the sustainability is not there, or the shoes just go, but they don't have the right marketing strategy, then maybe we aren't successful, you know, early on. So we want to really control that, and we're partnering with a lot of great digital companies here in America. Some have the ability to ship to customers um, internationally, which is great. Um, so we figured we would walk before we run, just because we're super small right now, and I think, you know, in order to be strategic, we have to figure out what's really working and operate very well from here, and then you know, and then take a little take a little more time than what would have been expected. Now, um, obviously, a lot of uh, the the high fashion industry has moved away from um, uh, fur and other things that uh, you know. Uh, one of the things you guys don't do, of course, is the animal skins. Um, so in other words, leather, lizard, snake, even though the shoes look like that, they're not. Um, and why do you think that the fashion industry, is this because demand from folks that have the money would really prefer not to be wearing um, skins of those animals and or fur from animals? Is that one of the reasons that this is such a great opportunity for ERA? Yes, it's true. There's definitely a shift going on. Um, and I think the more that the consumer is educated, the more they are willing to think a little bit differently. And um, for us, you know, I think it's, it's um, maybe the generation below mine that's super conscious of, you know, the ethics behind how a company operates, whether or not they're using animals, um, how transparent they are. So I think it's I think it's shifting. I think that there's still a huge population that is buying 
you know, animal handbags and shoes. I think fur has been one area where, you know, people have, have moved away from, you know, um, I don't know if, if, if it's so different, you know, at the end of the day, but it's evolving. And I think what helps is that today there's the ability to get the look and feel without, you know, um, using the animal products. So that's definitely something that didn't exist a few years ago, um, and it continues to evolve. So I think as that evolves and as the consumer becomes more educated, then you know the opportunity becomes greater. Um, yeah, even from things like I mentioned skins, um, I know that some of the big purse, uh, luxury purse makers have moved away from crocodile, even though some of the croc bags that they used to make um, believe it or not, and you probably know this, but one of the largest areas where they have crocodiles right now is Idaho. Um, and the reason, of course, isn't because it's like Florida climate-wise, but because they've got hot springs so that they can use those to heat the area for the animal to grow, uh, the reptiles to grow more, uh, you know, at a, at a larger scale uh, so that then they could harvest them. But then you saw them pulling back with the uh, folks that uh, said, we really don't want to make those bags out of crocodile anymore. Uh, we don't think the demand is nearly as high for those. Um, and obviously from the boots, like I say, my boots right now, uh, these era boots are uh, um, a snakeskin boot, but even with the snakes, people have moved away from that. Um, even though I'm not a huge fan of the, the snake itself. <laughs> I'm a fan of the shoes though. Fantastic. Yes, people are moving away for sure. And I think that, um, you know, as I said, I think that's going to continue. Um, I think that, you know, even some of the big luxury companies today are really embracing sustainability. They're embracing the circular economy. And I think as, you know, we're one small company and we're trying to do something, you know, very ethical and mission driven, but as the larger industry gets on board, I think then, you know, we're going to see a tremendous shift. And, and there are all these commitments today um, from companies, you know, like Stella McCartney or the group that, you know, used to own it, the Caring Group um, or Chanel that isn't making Crocodile anymore. So it's, it's interesting. The shift is happening across the board um, in the industry. Right. Well, now you, you started off and you said a little bit about 110% uh, sustainable. Um, sort of like when athletes talk about, I'm giving 110%, except you can actually do it because you're not only sustainable in that, you know, this isn't dependent on those animals for what you guys make, but you're also putting a little bit more aside. Please tell uh, the viewers and listeners about that. Sure. Um, when we launched the company, we wanted to fully understand all of our impacts, so water usage, carbon usage, etc. Um, and we we decided to work with a third party called SCS Global Services, and they literally helped us measure every single impact we have as a company. Once we had that, they helped us um, come up with offsets that um, that allowed us to you know give back and instead of offsetting by 100% meaning being neutral we decided to offset by 110% um, because we believe that companies have to give back like we've taken and taken and taken and it's time to give back a little bit so we wanted to give back more than what we take from the planet um, and so we're a certified carbon negative 
So far, we've, we've planted um, over 2,000 trees in Mississippi um, as a reforestation project. We're fresh water use negative. Um, and we do have some synthetics issues, so as a way of addressing that, and of the synthetics, you know, we try to use recycle, but as a way of addressing that, we partnered with an amazing company called Plastic Bank. And um, I don't know if you've heard of Plastic Bank. I have not. I have not. Tell us about Plastic Bank. It's a company that employs people um, in third world countries at the poverty level to collect plastic before it enters the ocean. So they earn to collect this plastic, they turn it in, and this plastic is all you know, recycled and um, is, is then used. So it, it keeps plastic out of the ocean. So we've, we've kept a lot of plastic out of the ocean as well. And uh, those certifications might be a pretty big edge for you guys going forward. Um, as people start looking for those, much like they do with leads, um, as far as is a building a leads compliant or leads um, as far as uh, green energy, whether it's sustainable energy or the amount of uh, uh, energy that leaks out the windows because they're triple glazed or whatever it might be. Please tell us just a little bit about that side of it as far as the sustainable and the various certifications that you guys get by doing that. Sure. You know, I think that uh, in the recent sort of, you know, three to five years past, the word sustainability has been used and almost overused. And in some cases, it's a marketing tool. So we felt very, um, you know, very strongly about having certifications and being totally transparent um, in what we do. So as I mentioned earlier, we partnered with SES Global Services um, in terms of being 110% sustainable and have the certifications there. But also more recently, um, we got certified um, by a company called Positive Luxury, which is based in London. Um, and what they do is they give you a butterfly mark for your efforts in sustainability. And, um, and we got awards in, in every area of the company from the environment to fair pay and equal wages to diversity and inclusion and so on and so forth. So all of that is, you know, on our website. And, you know, I think having the third party vet what you're doing and give you certifications just makes it easier for the customer at the end of the day to know, rest assured that what you're saying is, is validated and um, it makes it, you know, them feel good about what they're spending their money on. Um, lastly, when, 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 you know, I don't want to ever be done with these shoes because <laughs> I love them, but um, at the end of life, for a product, uh, you guys are considering even a strategy to address that. Sort of like, I guess, when people bring back tech to see, you know, rather than putting it into landfill to see if they can use it for something else. What are you guys considering for that end of life strategy, Tina? It's a great question. Um, you know, I think it is important to address the circularity of products. Um, and first I'll say, you know, we just launched and your shoes should last a very long time and they should be relevant for, you know, for years to come. But we ultimately want to have a program where we can um, take back the shoes and either resell them or donate them, um, you know, to, to, um, to people who need. So we've got a couple of ideas we're working on and hoping by sort of the middle to end of next year, we have a strategy in place. But it's, it's something that we definitely will be doing. Tina, you've done a fabulous job with the company. I, I love the product that you guys produce. And I think that you, you are really uh, setting the bar pretty high 
um, for the competition. So I really applaud what you're doing. Um, we'll try to really get the word out about ERA New York so that you guys can continue to do this great work. I really appreciate the time you've been able to spend with me today. Thank you, Thank Tina. You. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure meeting you. I appreciate your support and having you as a brand ambassador is, is phenomenal for us. So thanks so much. Please. Thank you, Tina. Tina Bojwani, folks, the co-founder of ERA. And if you want to go to the website, of course, it's ERA, A-E-R-A, NewYork.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.